Welcome to the No Right Way, the Messy Road to Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. We will be talking about the fears around body image, control with food, and how to challenge the expectations of diet culture and fat phobia. We're your hosts, Allison Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Katie Gaston, registered dietitian. Now, before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy, nor is it meant to be used for mental health, nutritional, medical, or psychiatric treatment. If you are needing assistance, go to www.therapyden.com or inclusivetherapist.com to find a therapist in your area. For nutritional support, visit eatright.org to find a registered dietitian. Hi, welcome back. Hello, hello. So today we are going to have the fun discussion of talking about control and what it means to give up control for mm-hmm. for options and opportunities and choices because yeah. yeah yeah and I think that that kind of giving up control or that loss of feeling of control we think about a lot of what we're losing but I think we were going to talk today about you know really what you gain from that as well Exactly. So I, so maybe we should get started. What does it mean to like feel this loss of control? Because I feel like that's what a lot of like our relationship with food is. It's about controlling our bodies, controlling our hunger, controlling our needs, control, controlling our desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just that it's um, we've kind of gotten into this place that we really think that we can control our bodies, you know, especially around the weight discussion, you know, and especially around the weight loss discussion, you know, there's really this idea that we are in complete control over our weight and what our body looks like. And we really are not. And so I think this really contributes to kind of the um, disconnect that I see all of the time where people think that they're kind of broken because they think that everyone can control their bodies. And like I'm saying, especially around their weight and when they can't, you know, they really think like, Oh, I'm the broken one. Like I'm the one, you know, that's not able to achieve this level of control. And I think even, you know, just on the food side, we think that, um, you know, when we start a new diet or start a new kind of like eating regimen, you know, that's very, uh, yeah, just regimented and very specific. We think that we can just carry that on forever. And we almost kind of treat our bodies in kind of a mechanical way of just kind of, you know, here is our list of things that we are going to fuel ourselves with. And then when we have a level of control over that, then we will, you know, achieve whatever our goals are, you know, perfect health, perfect body, et cetera, et cetera. And through that, we kind of come to find out our bodies don't work like that. And it's much more complex and it's much messier. And I think, like I just said, I think that really contributes to the disconnect because we are sold this idea time and time again, that we can control our bodies, that we can have a complete control over, you know, the foods that we crave or, you know, the foods that we want to eat or how much we want to eat all of these things. Yeah. Like you were saying, the hunger fullness cues of it. 
And really that is all just not how our body works. No, I was thinking like, even on the emotional side of like losing, like trying to control our bodies, you know, it, on the flip side, we try to control our emotions with it. So mm-hmm. here I am, I'm going to be joyful about eating the celery. Again, nothing wrong with celery. I personally do not like celery. Mm-hmm. Let's just cut up in other things, but <laughs> like, here I am. I mean, I'm going to be joyful in eating my rabbit food and I'm mm-hmm. not going to let any feelings of sadness or grief or mm-hmm. anger or whatever come up if I'm choosing not to eat something else, because that's not what's part of this, of this diet. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, there's controlling of the food, which leads to controlling in other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think this especially came up during the pandemic, you know, eating disorders are on the rise in, you know, numbers that we, you know, haven't seen before. I don't know the exact statistics on that, but I just know, you know, like we are seeing really high rises in numbers of eating disorders and, I think it's, you know, that feeling of wanting that control where, you know, there was a worldwide pandemic that we really did not have a whole lot of control over. And that's very scary and unsettling. And so we kind of turn to, I think, ways that we think that we can control things. And, you know, food is just such a fundamental part of, you know, our lives and our living and our, you know, being that it feels like a part that we can control. And again, we're sold this idea (laughs) that we can control it. And so I think, you know, what you said as well, where there's the emotional part of it, where, you know, emotions are a part of eating are a part of food. And I think we've kind of labeled everything as emotional eating and that that's not okay. When really, you know, if we're trying to fix our emotions with food, that's probably not going to feel okay, but we really can't separate ourselves from the emotions around food and eating because we're complex, emotional human beings. You know, again, we're not machines, you know, we're not mechanical about it. Yeah. And I'm thinking like the mechanics, like being mechanical, like if I do X, Y, and Z, this is how it's supposed to look. This is what the outcome is. If I practice X, Y, and Z, this is how I'm supposed to like present in terms of like emotional regulation. If I, and you know, a lot of what we've been talking about is like merging that with creativity. Mm -hmm. Like, well, if I, if I'm able to control all of these things, then when I try to express myself, this is how I'm going to structure it and control how it looks, mm-hmm. which again, kind of, it, it really kind of puts you in a corner Definitely. because there's this idea of like safety and control. And there really is a sense of safety when you have control, like there's, that's not a lie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's kind of like that comfortably uncomfortable. I know what to expect from like these limitations but it yep. also makes me feel bad when I'm not able to maintain it. If I'm not able to maintain the diet, if I'm not able to control my emotions, if I'm not able to make this piece of art look beautiful the very first time, you know what to expect versus just like letting go of those expectations. Like that mm-hmm. feels like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, I hear a lot of perfectionism in that. And I think it's just what you said. We're sold on this idea that if you do X, Y, Z, then ABC will happen, you know, and it's very, you know, a very straightforward formula, but, you know, 
so many people that I talk to and I feel like a lot of people probably listening like have felt that that doesn't always happen you know and I would say majority of the time it doesn't happen like that because life happens and life is messy but completely to what you're saying like that's uncomfortable you know to kind of let go of this idea of you know perfection as being achievable even if we logically you know can logic all day around you know like oh I know that perfection is not possible or you know I know that whatever but it's almost like I see I think for myself, you know, I'm still going through, you know, letting go of perfectionism um, around, you know, my creativity. And I still see it popping up a lot where even though I know logically, you know, perfectionism is not possible. I'm still kind of, I think, having the mindset of um, what is it like shoot for the moon? And if you miss, you'll hit stars or that like saying like, that's what it kind of feels like, like, it's still hard to let go of that, like aiming for the perfect moon, you know, and just thinking like, well, as long as I'm, you know, still aiming for perfection, even if I don't achieve it, I'll be, you know, 98% perfect, and that will be acceptable. But it still is that um, it's still that kind of um, restriction and that um, containment around that level of control when you're trying to seek that perfection. And, you know, it's really, like I said, in my own creativity, it's really not allowing me to fully express that creativity because I'm still having such like a leash on myself of like, okay, you're, you know, allowed to paint today, but it needs to look perfect, you know, (laughs) because I mean, I could come up with a thousand reasons as to why it needs to be perfect. Um, but they definitely see them really being tied together. This makes me think about, I'm, I'm really super proud of myself. So I, um, am trying to get back into writing lyrics and mm-hmm. I bought a passion planner journal because I really mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. their journals. The paper's like amazing, <laughs> but for other fellow, like journal planner type of people, like when you have that first blank page, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I don't want to put anything on it. I don't want to put anything in it. I'm going to mess it up. It is beautiful and pristine. And no, that is not why I bought this journal. I did not buy this journal to look at just the blank pretty pages. So I made myself write something Mm -hmm. rather than nothing with that expectation that this doesn't have to go anywhere. And if it happens to be this brilliant idea, then maybe we can do something with it. And if not, then that's okay. At least I have something down. And so I wrote in my pretty new planner and just let it be. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it always hurts in the beginning. It (laughs) always hurts. Oh my God. Amazing. That's so awesome because, and I know, that level of struggle because I have totally been there and I still, you know, in, in that place a lot of the time. And I think, you know, my relationship with journaling where I always like, I journaled in high school and it was immensely helpful to me. And then I kind of stopped and throughout, you know, my various times with skiing therapists, you know, it was always that thing of like, Oh, you know, like maybe you should journal. And it was always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been helpful in the past, but I could not bring myself to do it. And I think it's exactly what you just said, where I had this such high expectation that like whatever I wrote in that journal needed to be perfect and profound. Like it needed to, you know, carry 
so many things if I was to write it down on paper. And now um, through like this creative recovery and through me doing the book, The Artist's Way, anyone who's done The Artist's Way, um, one of the things she tells you to do is do these morning pages. And so you're supposed to just basically like brain dump like three pages in the mornings. And, you know, it was really, really hard to start that in the beginning, especially like you're saying, like brand new, like pretty journal. And I just really was still carrying that weight of like the perfectionism of like what it needed to look like and sound like. And yeah, I just have in my head that like people are going to read this, which no one's going to read this, you know, like this is supposed to be for me. And so now, you know, through kind of letting that go and not having any expectations for, you know, what my three pages are going to contain, you just kind of keep writing and just kind of truly brain dump, you know, like whatever thoughts and feelings are coming up, you just write it down and it doesn't need to flow. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be cohesive. It doesn't need to be profound. You know, sometimes it just is. Sometimes it's a page of me writing, you know, I really don't want to be doing this right now. Like this is like, I'd rather be doing other things. Like I can't focus like blah, blah, blah. Um, and now I just, it's immensely helpful. I mean, even though I've like com completed, you know, the artist way 12 weeks, like I still do morning pages Monday through Friday. Cause I just know weekends are just not going to be as possible for me. So I, you know, do it, you know, when I feel like it's needed. And now it's just such a grounding activity. And like you said, I just had to let go of the perfectionism of it. And then I'm opened up into this really helpful, just flow of whatever happens. Yeah. And that's when you get like onto the other side. I think that's, that's the hard part. Like when we're mm -hmm. learning to let go, like uh, the control with our food, mm -hmm. with our emotions, with the way we express ourselves, it's like, there's so many fears that's around that. Mm -hmm. And here we are saying like, look, it's fine. Like for me, like I wrote in my, I mean, it's only page one. So we don't know what the rest mm -hmm. of the page is. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not supposed mm -hmm. to know what the rest of the pages look like. If I did, then it's not really benefiting me. Mm -hmm. But like, here we are on the other side of like, okay, well, not maybe not 100% on the other side, we both have like our own work in terms of letting go. But, but there is another side and it keeps growing mm -hmm. where it gives you more options to really fully be you versus when mm -hmm. you're trying to force yourself to stay in this little box mm -hmm. of un uncomfortable safety. Mm -hmm. But there's so many barriers that get in the way. Completely. And I think it's just what you're saying where you kind of like, it's so scary. It's so scary to kind of, to me, it's a lot of leaps of faith. You know, it's kind of the, I'm, I know that I'm asking my clients to take leaps of faith, you know, because I'm bringing in an alternative to diet culture, which, you know, diet culture is the same thing over and over and over again, no matter what diet it is, it's this diet will bring you whatever you want in life, you know, all of the things that you've ever wanted, you know, can be achieved through, you know, just following this plan. And I come in and I say, we're not going to have a plan that's that rigid, like we're not going to have a plan that that's prescriptive. Sure, we can have gentle structure to kind of guide, you know, and kind of 
um, figure things out along the way. But yeah, it's a ton of curiosity. It's a ton of compassion. It's a ton of rough drafts. It's a ton of, you know, not really knowing what it's going to look like. It's a ton of um, letting go of expectations and, you know, really trying to information gather. And that's really hard to do in the beginning, especially. Yeah. And like, there's so many, there's a lot of like meaning around being able to have control and structure Mm -hmm. outside of just like safety. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm thinking about like, you know, like in therapy, some of it is there's this moral, you're morally a good person if you're able to maintain Mm -hmm. control. So if you lose control, then you're now Mm -hmm. a bad quote unquote bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lazy person or a stupid person yeah. or insert whatever mm-hmm. judgmental word. That's what you are now if you let go of control. So there's like yeah. this work that you're having to prove by maintaining it. Like, see, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm above human needs. And so therefore, mm-hmm. um, but then also if you're not, food is, can, it can be easier to figure yourself out with food versus like having to sit with your feelings. So if I'm not going to be obsessed over what I can or can't eat, Mm -hmm. then what I'm going to do, I'm going to have to sit with my thoughts. I'm going to have to sit with my feelings. I'm going to have to like, Mm -hmm. who, who does that? Nobody's going (laughs) to do that. Like, no, we don't do that. Ew, Mm -hmm. gross. I don't want to, I have to be nice to myself. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, and I have to be nice to myself. You know, there's also this idea around, like, the way to control ourselves is to be very mean and very strict and very, like, if we mess up, like, we punish ourselves, you know, in whatever ways that we do that. And so I think, yeah, it's just what you said, you know, like, if we were to be nice to ourselves, like, we're going to lose control and we're going to be lazy, we're going to be, you know, like, we're going to let things slip. We're going to, you know, just slide and spiral out of control. Like it's, it's just what you said. Yeah. And it's especially true. Like that fear feels especially true to people who care about the quality of the work they do, like the ambition Mm -hmm. striving Mm -hmm. forward, you know, looking, trying to accomplish the next thing. It's almost feels like if I let go of this control, then I'm just going to give up on all my hopes and dreams and mm-hmm. become a captive team, which by the way, nothing wrong. Like you're inherently worthy. Mm-hmm. Even if your life consists of sitting on the couch, regardless of what you do, you are inherently worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of isms kind of like in that idea, but like, but letting go of control leads to that fear of, is this even who I really am as a person? Mm. Am I only doing this because you know, that's what keeps me safe. Or is, am I really doing this because I actually am passionate about these things? Yeah. And when you let go in one area, it's hard to not let go in all these other areas. And it's like a big risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're nailing it where I see that pop up where, you know, I talk about you know, food and connection with your body and all of these things, you know, with my clients, but it, it bleeds out it, like, it goes into so many other areas, you know, of your life. And it's really this concept of like, you know, I work with people with intuitive eating, but it really kind of taps into this, like intuitive living, you know, where it's kind of like, these are patterns that, you know, pop up with food and 
the way we interact with our bodies, but it goes into other areas too. And it's just what you said too, where it's like, you know, and everyone kind of does this to different degrees, but you know, if you're very, you know, if you've gone through dieting cycles for years or like your entire life from what you can remember, or like you've been immersed in your eating disorder for a really long time, you know, healing that recovering that is also scary. Cause yeah, that's like kind of, you've created this story around who you are, you know, and like, then when we recover this and like, let go of, you know, these kind of that container, that box that you've put yourself in, you're open to the messiness of life. And that that can be very scary too. You know, it's like, who are you as a person? And I think I kind of see that, you know, metaphorically, but like as an example of, you know, a way that this shows up with food, you know, it's like when we have our ideas around like what we should and shouldn't eat, you know, that's very black and white. That's very all or nothing. That's very, um, it's very clear. And so when we're trying to neutralize food, you know, and we're trying to really fully explore all foods and have them all morally, you know, the same in terms of like, you're not good or bad for eating, you know, food, because food is not good or bad, then it's um, kind of like reclaiming that choice and idea of like, well, what do I like, you know, what foods do I like? And that's a much bigger, more profound question, because you're starting to explore things about you. And, you know, if you haven't done that before, or you haven't done that in a really, really long time, that is a completely new, you know, concept to be exploring. And it's exciting to be on that other side to be like, what do I like? Like, ooh, here I am going on dates with myself to see, like, with these different experiences mm-hmm. to really get to know myself. But I guess, like, there has to be, like, that acceptance of, okay, I am more than the structure. I am more than this control. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for me to let go of certain things so I can make room for other things. Like, a grieving process of having to let go of the control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, that grief and that grief around, um, you know, food being such a large part of your life. Like if, if food has been, you know, that area where you feel in control and therefore safe, you know, because you're like, I know the rules. And as long as I just follow the rules, like everything will be okay. Like everything will be the way that I want it to be they're going to be an immense amount of grief when you're letting that go. Because again, that means that you're open and vulnerable to the messiness of life, you know, and the, um, the loss of that control. Yeah. And then I, and, but it makes so much room for like those choices. It makes so Mm -hmm. much room, like so much room to be imperfect and, Mm -hmm. and in taking risks with food, Mm -hmm. with, with expressing, with boundaries, with like, with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause they all tie in together, you know, like if we're super controlling in one area, then there's no way that that doesn't bleed into other aspects of your life to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that choice is really um, bringing it back to the internal, you know, like I talk a lot in my work about, um, 
you know, when people come to me, like they're being um, informed by external things, you know, like what they should and shouldn't eat, you know, and it's very external telling them, you know, what to do. We're, when we're changing this into the internal of asking ourselves what we want, you know, that's where the choice comes in. And that's where, you know, kind of that connection with ourselves comes in because we're starting to explore like what we want. And yeah, the gaining of that choice to me is everything, you know, like even in my own like eating disorder recovery, like not really realizing how much I didn't have choice, you know, like even when I tried to tell myself that I did, you know, where it was like, I was trying different diets or like my eating disorder had been like shifting into like different, you know, ways that it was showing up. Like I was kind of convincing myself that like, oh, I have, you know, complete freedom within these bounds, you know, like within these parameters, but it's still restriction. It's still deprivation. You know, it still was missing so much because I wasn't fully free, you know, like I wasn't fully, you know, like open to the possibilities of like whatever I was going to eat or like, you know, whatever was going to happen. And so, yeah, that choice is scary. Um, and you know, having different options can be scary and having to make choices where, you know, before, again, you're like informed by external things or like eating disorder thoughts, you know, and that's kind of like informing you of what you have to do basically. And so when you're trying to make choices and choose things, it's very scary because you're in, you know, the driver's seat of that choice, you know, it's not being kind of taken over and done for you. You are the one that's making those choices and potential mistakes and potential successes. And, you know, like whatever happens, you know, whatever that outcome is. It makes me think of existential um, therapy and that there's four um, main existential concerns. And one of them is responsibility that we're ultimately Mm -hmm. responsible for our own, you know, our own faith. Which I agree to some extent. I don't completely agree just because of like things like systemic oppression, resources, things like that. No one's truly like, not everybody has access to the same things. But mm-hmm. for the most part, given what you do have control over, you're still responsible for like you. And mm-hmm. and I think that part of that grief and letting go of the control is now you have to take responsibility for what am I going to do moving forward? Mm-hmm. And, and for some people it's even like, wow, I didn't even know how much better this felt. Like I could have done this years before and having Mm -hmm. to like process what that means, holding on to the disordered eating for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's scary to have that responsibility and accountability, having to be accountable to yourself because there's a lot of shame. I mean, there's a lot of blame and things like mm-hmm. in therapy, I usually <laughs> challenge my clients when they're like, when they blame themselves, it's like, ah, 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 like, okay, where's this risk? How much of this is, are you truly responsible versus how much of it isn't yours? Mm-hmm. Blame is so shaming. Like, oh, this is all your fault. No, there, you do have a responsibility, but it's so hard to learn how to accept that because our society takes, makes responsibility a shameful experience in general. Mm-hmm. You make a mistake, yeah. you how, how do we like punish you for that? It, it's, yep. 
in a lot of areas. It's in schools, at work, in in homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I really like, you know, this conversation of us coming together because, you know, I love hearing kind of like the, like your, you know, mindset or like your, you know, like you're coming from like the therapy lens on this. And because, yeah, I'm seeing these things pop up, you know, through, you know, the work that I'm doing. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to me, you know, to learn kind of the other aspects, you know, behind the things that are coming up. And, you know, I think it's what you said, like, there can be like grief around it of, you know, like, now I see it, and I can't unsee it, you know, like, I I see that a lot with clients of, you know, like, now that I see diet culture, like, I can't unsee it. And it's everywhere. And I'm like, I know, (laughs) you know, like, in that shame and blame, you know, there's, we didn't come up with these concepts by ourselves. You know, we had to learn to not trust ourselves. We had to learn to dislike our bodies. We had to learn to, um, think that we, you know, needed to eat perfectly and have like perfect health and like all of these things. Like we had to learn that, you know, that's not, Like when you see little kids and, you know, they've done studies where it's like little kids will like, you know, eat a variety of foods and, you know, meet their nutritional needs. Like when they're kind of left to like make those choices to me, what, you know, is kind of like an intuitive eating, um, route and like, you know, you just see little kids and they're just like fascinated by their bodies. And they're just like, Oh, wow. Like, you know, I can run and I can do this and like, or, Oh, I can't do that, but that's okay. Like, that's just interesting information. You know, it's not, it's not taken in as any, you know, like detriment on their part. Like, it's just kind of, it, they're just, it is, you know, they're just allowed to exist and it's all okay. And it's amazing because I have, because I have a toddler and so I get to see him be amazed by his body and what it Mm -hmm. gets to do. Like he, as he's growing, he's able to like turn on the lights. And so Mm -hmm. you see a lot of lights on, lights off, lights on, lights off. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and he's just amazed by all the things that he's learning to be able to do, like rolling around or jumping off the couch. And, you know, when some of it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then I, I think about not necessarily just for him, but just for like all kids, they get to a point where that isn't like, it's about controlling the body again. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you, you know, you're too big of a kid, you know, we have to put you on a diet, you know, they, they start that young and, you know, when does that self-love turn into there's something wrong with me? Yeah. But like, wouldn't it be amazing if we were just like amazed by what our bodies can do? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying Honestly, to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I'm just, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm amazed by what it can do. Right now, I'm at the point of, can you please stop hurting when I wake up? <laughs> Mainly yeah. because my shoulder hurts. Um, I probably slept wrong. My mom's like, <laughs> be careful. I didn't do anything. I yeah. slept. I woke up. That's it. Yeah, I'm laughing because I have been there very recently. <laughs> but, yeah. but I mean, our bodies do all these really cool things and we get to have all these really awesome experiences. And so it would be so nice to be able to just let ourselves 
just be regardless mm-hmm. of that feeling of embarrassment or shame or guilt or fear, anger, well, maybe fear. We can have a little bit of fear. We're adults. I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's always a risk and fear always comes up with risk, but, but to kind of be on that other side where you're able to just, yeah, just like, I'm going to make my planner messy. If, mm-hmm. if I rip a page off my planner, it's mm-hmm. going to be fine. And, and it's edges mm-hmm. aren't perfect. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to, I'm just going to paint and whatever happens, happens, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm going to eat these amazing foods and it's going to be, it's going to be great. Like I had ceviche mm-hmm. over the weekend because I went to a birthday party and it was, I, I love ceviche. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Versus, oh, I can't, this is how I'm going to control everything. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just like coming to mind of just kind of all of the things that we've been taking in, like two, like two of those two things that I want to talk about, about what you just said is one like me going through school, you know, to become a dietitian, I had to take anatomy and physiology. And taking physiology was such a profound shift for me because it was so amazing to see, yeah, just like all of the things that your body can do and just to be learning about it and only to be learning a fraction of it because there's so many things that we still don't know or understand about the human body. And it's incredibly complex. And I mean, honestly, it made me like to learn the science of it, like made me tap even more into like my spiritual side about it. Cause it was just so beyond, you know, understanding of like, wow, how did this all come together to work in such a way to allow us to be living and functioning and, you know, just even just us breathing and us talking and, you know, us being able to like, I mean, yeah, like in this moment, there's so many things going on in our body at any one time. And it's just, it's, it's almost like too much for words for me to express, like just how much I was just in awe of, you know, my own body and that really helped, you know, kind of like my body image at the time, um, because it was kind of seeing like beyond, you know, my body image as in, you know, what I'm preoccupied with what it looks like. It was like, you know, but like, look at what it can do, you know, like, and not even do in a way of like function, but just like, just, just being is, you know, incredibly profound. And, um, and I think too, like the other point I wanted to say, um, is that, yeah, the other day I like freely just like put on music and like took out my watercolors and like, just kind of put paint on paper and just didn't really have a plan and just kind of saw what happened. And it was like very messy and just like blotchy and like all over the place, which is extremely uncomfortable for me to do with my art. You know, I've said before, um, I don't know if I've said it on here, but you know, my art is very, um, like I'm very within the lines, you know, like I draw it out, I paint it. And then I, you know, fill in everything with like black lines to kind of make it all very neat and um, contained. And that's kind of like the way that I like it. And I do like my style, but I think it's really important and needed to kind of challenge that sometimes um, to kind of, yeah, just sit down and just not know what's going to happen. It was very hard and 
you know, it's, it like brought up emotions and, you know, even now when I still like look at the piece that I created, it's like, Oh, that was uncomfortable and not uncomfortable in a bad way, just new and different, you know, just not something that I'm used to doing. Yeah. And I love that you said that not uncomfortable in a bad way because the discomfort doesn't mean anything good or bad. It just means that Mm -hmm. something just feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you check in with yourself, like, okay, what is this? What is this? telling me it, it, am I needing to stop something because like if it's someone p- pushing up on your boundaries and you mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable that's a different kind of discomfort versus yep. like this is something new okay well that that's expected mm-hmm. it's expected yep. for me to not feel like maybe 100% like yay you know mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> um, but I was going to say when we were talking about physiology, because I, I took some bio, like there was this short, tiny period in my life that I wanted to go to med school and become a psychiatrist because <laughs> I'm like, they all they do is prescribe meds. And how dare they? We should like, I'm not going to be that kind of psychiatrist. I'm going to show them what they should do. Anyway, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm a psych major. So I didn't take any of like the basic chemistry classes, the sciencey mm-hmm. classes that you needed for med school. So I took like a physiology class. And I think at this point, I didn't even want to go into med school, but I was just like, this is so cool. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what our bodies can do is just so fascinating. Yes. And I mean, even like at this chemistry level, it is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And then, and like all the like cells and things working together. Clearly I am not like a science. I am not (laughs) taking like any of these classes in like probably over a decade. So bear with me, you know, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. like, it's just really cool. And I know like, even like with me coming to terms with my body, because I've gained significant weight since like having my baby and like pre whatever, um, which is fine. What else? Um, but like my, like I grew up with a lot of fat phobia. I mean, most people grew up with a lot of fat phobia, mm-hmm. so that's not like unique. And my kiddo comes up to my tummy and he's like, there's a baby in there. I'm like, no, <laughs> There is not. And I think past me would have been very upset at this. Current me is like, mm-hmm. no, there is not. Um, that's mama's breakfast. And let's see where my organs are. I think this is where my large intestines is and my small intestines. There's probably some fat here. And like, I think mm-hmm. this is over here. I, I never made it through the anatomy class. So, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing, but it like, it feels so much different, like not trying to like hide it because in that mm-hmm. sense the message that there needs to be something that needs to be controlled when there really isn't and I think a lot mm-hmm. of the shame that comes up for me is in the fact that sometimes my clothes don't fit but I don't think I think if we had all the resources in the world and we can just dress our bodies the way that feels comfortable mm-hmm. I think there would be a lot less shame mm-hmm. versus like trying to literally get yourself to fit into something that you don't fit into mm-hmm. I mean, control looks in so many different ways and is for so many different reasons, but if we're able to kind of learn to let go of that control and just kind of embrace the messiness of what is, then Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be as painful. I guess that's like my point. It's kind of like long in. And also I like, I like biology. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, just like what you said, I think that me, you know, being a dietitian and learning, you know, the complexities around not only the food, but the way that the food interacts in your body, as soon as anything pops up of like, Oh, you know, celery juice can cure everything. I'm just like, Nope, like there's no, you know, we very much like to simplify and pinpoint 
you know, any one thing to interact in a very specific way in the body. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, our bodies just aren't that simple. And I think that really helps me to, you know, read through the marketing around, you know, all of these ideas and concepts that we have now taken on as, you know, truth or tradition or, you know, just part of, you know, societal norms and yeah, just question a lot of it, which, you know, can be a lot and tiring at times, but I agree. It's just, it's so fascinating. Um, and I really think that, you know, I know that like in high school, I didn't take anatomy, but I know that anatomy was available, but I really think, you know, like maybe as a part of like a required health class, you know, whatever, I really think like bringing in, you know, the basics of physiology and like some basics of anatomy would just be really helpful because I think it just helps us to kind of understand our bodies a little bit more instead of, trying to understand our bodies through like weight loss magazines and like, you know, it's all like, I feel like our major understanding of bodies is through body image. So we kind of, um, view our bodies around that image rather than like what it actually is and actually happening. And I feel like the science of it is much more, yeah, just like neutral and accepting of like what is happening. Cause we just understand it. Yeah, no, though, because I mean, medicine's based on science, and they're like a big perpetrator of fat phobia. That is true. That is true. <laughs> and they will that find the true, science you know. to back it up. But I mean, but I think if but I like what you're saying in the sense of, we don't have to just view our worth in our body, like based on how it looks, but like really appreciate all the different things that it's doing. And I think like even starting at a young age, like my kiddo, like, you know, he plays with my, my belly and, you know, and like where there's my large intestine. I think this is where your large intestines is mm-hmm. too. Let's let, and see that that's your ribs and your, I think your stomach's here. I don't know. Again, I, mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. actually finished anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it, it really does kind of neutralize like this isn't a good or a bad thing. It just is. And mm-hmm. these are all the working parts and this is what we need to survive. And it really is fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And it gives up so much more room to be able to do other things without, you know, without having to worry as much. Kind of like, yeah. like toddlers. I don't think he worries about, oh, did I eat enough? When he's hungry, he lets me know. Yeah, when he's not, and he doesn't, you know, like, or he'll steal my food <laughs> or my salads. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's such a salad thief. Mm-hmm. He can eat like brownies, but then also like, oh, I see you with that salad. I see you with that lettuce. Mm-hmm. Let me just take this bowl. Like, <laughs> no, I was really enjoying it. Um, yeah, yeah. He 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 just gets to be and he gets to play and whatnot. And us as adults, we kind of lose that part of us because we're trying to control everything and do the right Mm -hmm. thing and so I guess kind of like maybe as we're wrapping up giving yourself permission to let yourself lose control just a little bit in safe ways yeah and I think it's what you said where there's you know there's different areas of uncomfortable you know it's like is it uncomfortable because yeah, like your boundaries are being, you know, violated or tested or pushed up against, or is it uncomfortable just because it's new, you know, and it's, it's finding that balance of, or just not even balance, but finding that understanding of, you know, knowing the difference. And yeah, those, 
un, you know, weeks of faith are uncomfortable. Curiosity is uncomfortable, you know, because it means that we don't have answers. Nobody likes not having answers. That's mm-hmm. why we go to gurus. Sorry, I'm exactly. also watching a documentary too about something like that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we don't do well with the unknown. So give yourself permission to sit with the unknown and be curious about, I guess, those like hesitations while you're trying to push yourself into mm-hmm. like letting go of some control, whether that's with your food, whether or not that's with your art or self-expression or mm-hmm. movement in your body in a safe way. Obviously I am not a physical therapist mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. consult with their doctor, whatever. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. any last thoughts? Um, no, I just, I feel like we, you know, this is, again, it's like a complex concept that just branches out into so many different areas. But I think this was just a really interesting kind of, you know, look into a lot of the different areas that, you know, this concept of like control and choice and trust and acceptance and curiosity, you know, all kind of come together and all the things. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, toodles. Yes. Thank you. Bye. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. If you would like to know more about us, go to katiegaston.com or healingwithgroup.com.